The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Yea, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. So great to be with you tonight, Sanctuary. I want to start out with a question. If, if someone were to ask you, do you have everything that you want? Is, is, is there anything that you lack? What would you say? That all your needs are somehow met, that all your debts are somehow paid, that you are complete and full, living a life without lack. What would you say? I remember when I was a lot younger, I always found myself just like dreaming about the future because like most of us, there were things that were hard, things that were difficult when I was growing up. And because of that, I found that there were so many things that I didn't have that I wanted. There were so many things that I lacked, so many dreams that I had, and I dreamed that tomorrow would fulfill the things that I lacked. I just knew it. But when tomorrow came, I realized that even though a lot of my dreams were filled, I still wanted, I still lacked. And if someone were to ask me about the fullness, like the fullness of my life, that there are parts of me, I'd say, parts of me that are still empty. There are parts of me that are still incomplete. If someone were to ask you, what would you say? Well, tonight, we're uh, beginning, as you heard, a new series called Life Without Lack. And for the next month or so, we're going to be taking a really close look at uh, one of the well, like the well, uh, well most, well, mo words are hard, the well most known psalm. That's hard. If you say that five times fast, that's hard. I'm not going to do it. Afterwards, try it. You'll get, I will buy you something. No, I won't. Uh, one of the well most known psalms, Psalm 23. Did I say it right? What is it? Most well known. This is awesome. I lack in English. Thank you. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about the things that, that Psalm 23 can teach us, the areas that we lack, like I lack in pronouncing words. But you all come and listen to me talk, so the joke's on you. But <laughs> in this psalm, which, which a psalm is a song of worship for God's people to God, King David begins this psalm by writing, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. The Lord, he begins, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, as I said, the author of this psalm was King David. And as many know, uh, David was, before he was a king, he was actually a shepherd. Now, I haven't really met too many shepherds. In fact, there's only one shepherd I know, like I think that I know, I could have met others, uh, that he was actually a shepherd. And he's told me stories about a shepherding life. And he's actually, a fun fact, our campus's life group director, which is probably like the most holy thing I can think of. But <laughs> the thing about the shepherds, so I don't know if you know much about shepherds, but the thing about shepherds is that sheep are totally dependent upon their shepherds. The shepherds guide their sheep. The sheep know their voice of the shepherd. And fun fact, the sheep can actually pick the shepherd's voice up out of a voice, just a sea of other voices. And shepherds 
protect their sheep from their predators. I remember uh, a time when I visited Israel for a class in seminary, best class ever. I was uh, with other students who were studying the Bible, and we came to this place where uh, shepherds actually put an electric fence uh, to keep predators out from their shock or from their flock. So naturally, I rallied like five people around me, and we made this chain with our hands. And then I grabbed the electric fence, and we're the future pastors of the world. I mean, these are the, the people who will help bring the hope of Jesus to the world, electrocuting themselves so that the current can go through us, and we could just see how far we measured how far the person would kick back. It was awesome, <laughs> but it also hurt really, really, really bad. Shepherds mean business when it comes to protecting their sheep. Shepherds also take care of their sheep when they're sick. Shepherds lead their sheep to food, to water, to safety, to, sh uh, to shelter. Sheep experience the fullness of life because shepherds devote their lives to their sheep. And here we have King David, who knows all about being a shepherd, and now who has an even bigger flock. But instead of trying to just claim Israel, claim his flock as his own, he doesn't. He, instead of like letting this, this position, of, uh, position lead to unhealthy power or unchecked pride, he gives it to God. He realizes that Israel is God's, that he is their shepherd, and David is is uh, uh, God's sheep as well. And while at that time, most kings of this, they viewed themselves as the sole provider, themselves as the sole protector, some even using the language of a shepherd uh, over their kingdom, shepherding over their kingdom because it had associations with just strong leadership and care, not David. David humbled himself and said that God was his shepherd. Because having God as our shepherd requires the strength of humility to acknowledge that we need one. The God who is the one who ultimately protects. That God is the one who ultimately provides. That God is the one who ultimately feeds and leads to water. That David can only experience the fullness of life because God has devoted his life to David's. And so here we, we have this psalm, and this is where the psalm gets personal. That like David, you have a shepherd that's devoted his life, his entire life, to you. That's why Jesus says that if one sheep, just one, leaves the pen, he'll leave the 99 in just a full-out search for that one. That's devotion. That's love. And it's in this context of shepherding that David begins this psalm, which begs us to ask the question, who's our shepherd? <coughs> Who or what have you allowed to be your shepherd? Who or what's voice do we listen to in a sea of other voices? And how's it going? Are you being fed? Or do you find yourself being hungry? and thirsty in the deepest parts of your soul. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, one of the reasons that I just love Psalm 23 so much is that there's just so much that we can get from it. For example, the, the very beginning, the Lord. Now, most of us probably understand that the Lord means God, but the actual name used here is really, really significant. 
At one point uh, in the book of Exodus, uh, <clears throat> uh, at one point in the book of Exodus, Moses, who was like kind of the champion, the main character of Exodus, he found himself as a shepherd. And while he was tending his flock, he saw this, this strange light. And when he went to investigate it, he saw that this strange light was, was coming out of this bush. And when he investigated it more, he noticed that this bush was not burning. And soon when he went to it, he found himself in a conversation with God himself. And in this conversation, God was saying how he's noticed that his sheep, Israel, has been hurting under slavery. They felt lost. They were crying out for their ultimate shepherd. Hey, come rescue me. Help me. Now before, when, when, when most would pray to God, they would call him Elohim. And now the name Elohim uh, really just kind of means this, this like big God somewhere up there. It, it communicated sovereignty, but, but the name Elohim was impersonal. And here's the thing. When God was speaking to Moses, he told him that he was going to rescue his people and that his name isn't Elohim, but I am who I am which also could mean I will be who I will be or I cause to be what I cause to be. And God told Moses to tell his people that the I am, the one who is, the one who causes, sent him. And it's out of, out of this name, the I am, that we get the Hebrew name for God, Yahweh. And it's the Hebrew name that's word used for the word the Lord, the name the Lord in Psalm 23. And it's important to note uh, that at this part of the Bible, that the God of everything and humanity were on a first name basis. And what's also important to note is that in the Hebrew culture, and this is kind of interesting, in the Hebrew culture, a person's name was often said to, to reveal their character. For example, my name is Michael, as you all probably know. And uh, the name Michael is actually a Hebrew name, and it means who is like God. Um, uh, who is like God? Michai. You like that? Chai. I practiced that. <laughs> I had to do that one in Israel. Um, Michai is who is like, and El, Elohim. Who is like Elohim. And that's the reason I became a pastor. Just joking. Uh, no. <laughs> but it's almost as holy as the name Micah. I've kind of been jealous of it, which means who is like Yahweh. Must be nice Mike is in the room. I know there's a couple over there. But, <laughs> and, but names are really in interesting. Like, have you ever researched your name before? Like, my name's Michael, and I like it, but some names, it's like, man, boy, <laughs> dodged a bullet. Like, the name uh, Calvin means bald. <laughs> the name Cameron means crooked nose. <laughs> All the Camerons and Calvins are like, I'm out of here. Like, peace out. But, <laughs> but, what's but if names are just so important, then what does the I am really mean? And what's the character of God? What does it mean? I don't get it. Well, on this, a theologian by the name of Adam Clark said that God is the eternal, independent, and self-existent being. The being whose purposes and actions spring from himself without foreign motive or influence. He who is absolute in dominion, the most pure, the most simple, the most spiritual of all essences, infinitely benevolent, beneficent, true, and holy, the cause of all being, the upholder of all things, infinitely happy because infinitely perfect, 
and eternally self-sufficient, needing nothing that he has made, illimitable in his immensity, inconceivable in his mode of existence, and indescribable in his his essence, known fully only by himself, because an infinite mind can only be comprehended by itself in a word, a being who from his infinite wisdom cannot err or be deceived, and from his infinite goodness can do nothing but what is eternally just, right, and kind. That is the character of God, and he wants to be your shepherd. I mean, there's no better shepherd out there. There's no one bigger. There's no one stronger. There's no one who cares more. I mean, he created everything. And he created you. And Moses knew that. So after this this encounter, and from then on to his people, God's personal name meant ultimate love, ultimate protection, ultimate provision. God was their ultimate. God was their everything. And God wants to be your ultimate. God wants to be your everything. But God didn't just stop there. The I am He made a covenant or a binding agreement saying that he will always be with his people to love and protect and provide no matter who comes against them. And if they break the covenant, he will break himself to get them back. God is a personal shepherd who made a covenant to protect his sheep at all costs. I mean, whether it was freeing his people from the clutches of slavery when all hope was lost, God is the shepherd of his people. And the Bible is full of these types of shepherding stories. An army of hundreds of thousands ran away in defeat when th- uh, from 300 when Gideon trusted in God because God is the shepherd of his people. God saved the nation when Esther sought his protection because God is the shepherd of his people. Daniel trusted God and God saved him from the lion's den because God is the shepherd of his people. And when we read that the Lord is my shepherd in Psalm 23, we are invited to personally embody these words and to make them our own because God is the shepherd and sanctuary. We are his people. We're his children. You are are his child. Out of his image, the I am created you. And he loves you. And he'll do anything for you. We are not our own shepherd. Other people are not our own shepherd. Other things are not our shepherd. But God is our shepherd. And he has devoted his life to us and he'll never stop calling out to us and extending the offer for us to become his sheep. To live a life without lack means to live as if God is your shepherd. And because of this, because of who God is and who we are to him, David says, I shall not want. Or as the original text says, I lack nothing. That's good news. And David continues. He says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. 
Now, when I look back at my life, I, I find it so interesting all the times that, that I thought that I didn't need a shepherd. I mean, there are so many animals out there that don't have shepherds, and I wanted to be like one of them. Like, I don't want a shepherd. But here's the thing about the animals without shepherds. Animals who don't have shepherds, they don't have someone to protect them from their predators, to protect them when a danger that is bigger than they are comes at them. In seasons that are dry, they don't have someone who knows how to find green pastures and who knows how to lead them there and to make them lie down to enjoy it. They don't have someone who knows where to find and can lead them to still waters, which is another way of saying a restful and restoring place. You see, there are a ton of animals who don't have a shepherd, but when the going gets tough, when Mother Nature uh, just crouches in, and we've all seen the movie, when the circle of life happens, thanks Lion King, when, when that happens, they're on their own. But sheep, sheep are not on their own when things get tough. Sheep have a shepherd. And we have an invitation from God to be his sheep, to let him lead, to acknowledge that whatever the season, he's a shepherd that will always be with us. And if you're going through something that's like perhaps tough right now, I want to let you know that God is with you. He's with you and he's able to lead you through it because God is an active God. I mean, the, the text says he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul, God is our active shepherd, and when we follow him, we lack nothing. And that's what the psalm is saying. Now, I actually want to pause for a second. I want to pause because if I'm <clears throat> just brutally honest, if I look at my life and I'm brutally honest with myself in a place that's just broken, deep down inside of me, this is the time when I have said, hold up, David. Just hold up. What are you talking about, King David? Lack nothing? I mean, it's great that you were a king and that you could just have everything that you wanted, but the rest of us, the rest of us experience real pain, real hurt, rejection, loneliness, loss, suffering. And we could all probably say the same thing, David. There have been so many times where I've cried out to God for help and have heard nothing. David, there have been so many times where I've listened and I've tried to hear God's voice for years and years, and it's as if God's voice was silent. So don't tell me what I want to hear. Tell me the truth. Because the God that you're telling me about is not the God that I'm experiencing. God is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Christian uh, writer by the name of A.W. Tozer, he once wrote, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Now, here's the thing about David. I mean, yes, David was a king, but his life wasn't always easy. I mean, if Saul wasn't trying to kill him, his son was. And David spent not only years and years in his battle where his own life was on the line, but he spent years hiding in caves. I mean, David lived in caves. 
And at some point in his life, later in his life, he was looking back at his life, and it was at this point that David wrote this psalm. And here, David is not saying that God shepherds us by giving us everything that we desire. You see, that's the prosperity gospel. That's, that's where some believe that you can get most anything that you desire if you follow God. And it's important to know that that is not the gospel. Instead, David's saying that those who trust in God as sheep do in a shepherd will never lack what they need. He was in a cave, yet God still met his need. The most important thing that came to David's mind when he thought about God was that God was his shepherd. And because of that, in a cave full of unmet desires, he lacked nothing. Because the one who was willing and able to provide and to save him was with him in that cave. The I am was with him. And later, much later, God's people made the decision to get out of their sheep pen. They made the decision to leave. They said, hey, I'm not going to follow you anymore, God. And they booked it. They left. Years and years and years went by. And they realized that they were alone. They realized that they were in danger. So they turned back. They turned back and they found themselves crying out to God to save them. And then, and then something happened that they never thought would. Something that their minds never conceived. Something that they didn't even know could happen. The I am physically entered their circumstance. The I am entered our world in the flesh. And his name is Jesus to save them, to save us. He went after us and he called us back. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus laid down his life so that we could lie down in green pastures. He's the shepherd that devoted his life for the sheep, for you, for me. Jesus is the shepherd that paid our debts so that we can live a life without lack. And no matter the circumstances that we're facing, if the pastures seem dry, if the waters are raging, if you haven't yet, you have an invitation to let him be your shepherd to let him restore your soul. And if you want to learn more about that, come talk to me after this. Come talk to someone who has a lanyard. They want to, we want to talk with you. And as I close, I want to invite all of us to do a shepherd inventory of our lives, to ask yourself wherever you're at, Am I letting God be my shepherd? What do I lack? And how could I let him meet me in that? Because if the Lord is your shepherd, you lack nothing. Let's pray. Jesus.
mean, I can't say enough on one hand, both how I am just so thankful that you came as my shepherd. God, there have been times when I have just booked it from that fence where I've run and I've tried to outrun you, God, but you were always running next to me, always holding me, and you brought me back. And God, there are times when I don't understand what a shepherd means, when I don't understand why you would come down. There are times when I don't understand hurt, when I don't understand suffering, and I'm wondering how you can reconcile it all. But that's why I'm so thankful that you, Jesus, came not foreign to our suffering, but came in the midst of our suffering. You suffered for us, and you took that suffering on yourself and you defeated it. You defeated death. So Jesus, I pray that in whatever we're experiencing, in whatever we're struggling with, God, that we can call out to you to be our shepherd. That we can submit, that we can lay our lives down for you so that we can experience this life without lack. In your name that we pray. Amen.